Mel, we got you in the house still? No, you don't. Oh, you lied. Now you're crazy. (laughs) (laughs) You're just figuring this out now, bro. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Shock Treatment. I'm your host for the evening, Miss Melissa, with my best friend in the world. Actually, my couple of my best friends in the world tonight, my co-host, Maddie. I was going to say, And Anthony Sweet Thomas. Hey! Hey guys, what's going on? What's going on? I'm completely outnumbered, and I'm probably going to get my top busted all night, but I'm ready for it. Hey, it's all good. I'm having push-ups. I'm 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 ready for you. Yeah, I'm ready for that. Real quick. So, how are you guys doing this evening? Is everybody, you know, over all this COVID stuff over summer? You know. I, I'm done with COVID for sure. I would like to go somewhere and feel comfortable without thinking that, uh, you know, I'm going to wind up coughing to death somewhere. I'm done with COVID. I, I think we need to come up with a game plan for COVID. I, I don't know. I don't know what it is, but we need one bad. Yeah, it would be really nice to be able to um, actually go out in public and not have to wear a mask anymore. I actually, yeah, yeah. I figured out a way to solve the problem. If we if we could just go back in a time machine, you know, I think we could figure it out. So let's work. Yeah, back to, let's work on that. The time machine back to before Trump was in office, though. You guys. <laughs> Do you guys believe in time machines? We, what do you think? Do you believe in time travel being possible? Yeah, why not? Yeah, they, yeah. they've dabbled in I it, I think. It. Yeah. I, I, I believe it. I think there's one issue with it, though. Yeah. I think that if you do travel back in time, you automatically create an alternate reality. Truth. Eisenberg said that you can't study something without affecting it. So the minute you affect the past, it's not the same reality. Yeah, I agree with that. Yep. And but the thing is, too, also, if we're going to travel, if we're going to travel back in time, we have to do it in style. We need a TARDIS. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, you see, if you're going to travel back in time, you need the TARDIS. Absolutely. The DeLorean. Going to need the DeLorean, man. Uh, you can drive the DeLorean. I'm going all day in the TARDIS. <laughs> the TARDIS is the answer. Well, because I, uh, only in the TARDIS can you basically take a shower, take a nap, uh, basically live in an entire city and never leave a little blue box. DeLorean has its uh, limitations. Uh, if you would you rather take the DeLorean over the Bill and Ted uh, phone booth? What would you rather go for? I would. I would rather have roller skates than the roller skates. Jeez. I would roller skate back in time before I would get into that phone booth. <laughs> <laughs> well, the TARDIS is a phone booth. <laughs> the, the, the TARDIS is interdimensional, though. Yeah. It, it, it's, a, it's, a completely, it's a complete world inside. Almost limited space inside. Touche. The phone booth is crowded. The phone booth is crowded. Yeah. And if we go if we go back in time to escape COVID in the phone booth, 
invariably someone will get into the phone booth with it and we'll just take it to the past with us. Yeah. Have, are you familiar with that? We'll, we'll yeah. We might be able to get away with it. I like it. Um, <laughs> I want to figure out a way to become smaller and take a uh, like a, a boat made out of like a newspaper down a down a a sidewalk into the into down the, the sooner into, into the, the sewer. Yeah, into the sewer of the past. <laughs> That's my goal. That's my goal, oh, Diesel. Cool. I can a boy can dream. I, um, so it's it's that time of year. Spirit of Halloween is open. I went there yesterday, I and they have like yeah. full size Pennywise um, animatronics. I want it. Uh, <laughs> it's yeah. so dope. I want it. How much? But I don't. Ooh, the, it was, I, I think it was just about three hundred dollars, and I don't have the three hundred dollars or a place to put him. <laughs> three hundred bills. Three hundred bucks. For that clown. Yeah, I'm, I'm just going to admire it from afar. <laughs> yeah, I think, uh, I, I think. Yeah. I think one of the few things I'm afraid of is clowns. Yeah, clowns <laughs> scare a lot of folks. Scare a lot of folks, yeah. You know, uh, yeah, uh, yeah. the clowns, are, yeah, it it always scared me. When I seen it for the first time, I was very scared. Other than that, I've, I was never really scared of clowns. I mean, they're creepy, for sure. Um, that whole pain as even as a kid, the whole pain aspect of something hiding behind a smile. That you know, the, he has to paint on a smile because there's never a smile on his face. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, yeah. Mel, how you you afraid of clowns too on the come up and even to the day? I was afraid of clowns. Um, probably up until I our house the thousand corpses and then like once i met sid haig i lost my fear of clowns so now i love them but yeah there's some of them that they are they're just like super creepy like if a a circus clown was to come up behind me you know if i was ever dumb enough to go to a circus and like touch me or something i would turn around and slug him one really oh yeah i don't like them i i like you're fine from a distance don't come near me (laughs) <laughs> I, dude, I saw Terrifier. I see what happens when you go near clowns. You get cut in half. I'm okay with that. Um, right I kind of, I, I, I've got enough personalities for everybody, so I don't need to be cut in half, too. I heard that. <laughs> M- multiple personalities. It's a beautiful thing. <laughs> you, can, you, can, you can claim all. You can claim them on your taxes. I heard, Mel. All the different people. I, I, I'm crazy. What can I say? I can't, you know? <laughs> you know, there's nothing wrong with being crazy, especially this day and age, 2020. It's a very crazy time, folks. You know what I mean? It's a very crazy year. Speaking of crazy. Yeah. I know this, I know this, uh, this last week has been even more trying with um, the passing of Chadwick Boseman, My who goodness. played T'Challa in the Black Panther movie. He passed yeah. his 28th after a four-year battle with colon cancer, and I can't believe that. Like, he made several of the biggest movies, like going through chemotherapy and having different kinds of surgeries, and you wouldn't even have been able to tell by his on-screen presence. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And no one, in his, no one in his camp talks about it. He really managed to keep it private. How often does that happen? 
I feel, in Hollywood, never, usually. Well, I feel you got to like. Uh, I, I, me and Mel have talked about this before. There was a there was a there was a couple of years ago. I got sick. I had I almost died, and uh, I remember I kept that kind of quiet because like, and I feel like the same thing in his situation when you work in an, an industry like that. If you if you were to say you were sick, people just write you off as dead like right away. You know what I mean? So like, I think that was yeah. that had a lot to do with it. Um, as what well, you know, as well as you know, just trying to. It's one of those things. I'm sure you're trying to beat it. Of course, you know what I mean. It just didn't. I wonder what the story, because you know how it, it'll go away, and sometimes it comes back and stuff. And uh, I wonder if it went away and came back, or if it was just a struggle the whole way through. If going away and coming back has to be complete devastation, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I'll let you know if either of the two I was diagnosed with ever come back. <laughs> yeah, well, you, 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 you're out of the, after a certain, thank God, out of a certain time frame, you know, after you've been good for, for so long, you're pretty much in the clear. You know? Oh, yeah, no, I know, but I'm just saying, like, you never know in this day and yeah. age with everything that's going on. Like, I could eat a cheeseburger from McDonald's and get cancer. So, you know. I hope not. How they, uh, I ate a cheeseburger from McDonald's today. I hope that ain't the case. That Dude, all right. You know, hey, what if Dunkin' Donuts, you got a, you got cancer every time you went to Dunkin' Donuts. Like, I'd be dead already. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. If cancer came in coffee, I'd be dead 30,000 pounds over. Mm-hmm. It'd be over. Yeah. As I sit here drinking my coffee while we talk. I, I would, and I would do it willingly because I'm a coffee addict. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It moves the world. It's, yep, it does. It keeps me alive and it keeps other people alive because if I don't have my coffee, stay away. Very famous yeah. line. I like it. Yeah. So yeah, with Chadwick, that was uh, ho- like horrible. Uh, you what you you get up and you see that news. Like I'm not gonna lie, I, I wasn't I wasn't a big fan of Black Panther, but I'm not really a big fan of superhero films in general. So like. It's uh, it's nothing against the film, um, but like and I no, know that, but he was also he was also in forty two. Forty two and get on up. Yeah, well, the James I, Brown. Other movies I, that yeah, I applaud. Yeah, James the James Brown, Brown movie. The, I I do want to. Oh, yeah, Gods oh, no, of, he was in Gods of Egypt. He was in Gods of Egypt. You know what I mean? Yeah, he was an amazing you know actor. I, nah, I, I think Black Panther stuck yeah. with everybody because it was the first time a major film had a black superhero. For sure. And and he was a black superhero that wasn't, uh, wasn't American urban based either. You know, there was some of that in the film, but mm-hmm. his character came from African roots. Uh, had a long, had a long noble history. It's a completely different thing for an American film to do with yeah. a black character. Now, and the, so for the time, a bunch of little black kids had a superhero that they saw on screen, yeah. on the big screen, that, that they could actually look up to yeah. and idolize. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, they could actually relate to them. So that that's one of the reasons why, even though he was amazing and everything, yeah, that story is what's being talked about the most. Mm. It's historical moment. 
Yeah. The first big, yeah, big, big hero. I mean, you got like Spawn and um, Blade, you know what I mean? But yeah, like they, they, yeah. They're, they're darker, you know, they're darker comics, you know what I mean? So like darker heroes. So like they're not really like, yeah. they're anti-heroes, you know what and, I mean? They're not the pure heroes. Right, know? right. But, you know, and those movies aren't exactly like kid-friendly movies oh, either. Right, correct. <laughs> I like them, yeah, but, sure. but sure. what can you do, you know? They're, yeah, they're definitely a yeah, lot well, edgier. You need, you need all those characters. You can't tell, you can't tell any of these stories if all the characters are comparable. Yeah. You use the element of, uh, having a universe. So, it was a necessity for that, too, mm. for him not to be a darker character than <laughs> represent the light yeah 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 it was super tragic i mean knowing the whole the the the, everybody that knows kind of how hollywood works and stuff like that for for him to be able to get to the point he got to like nobody like very few people get to get to that height you know what i mean and it's just in passing that or that young at that height is like the most heartbreaking thing of all time, you know what I mean? Because he had to work so hard like, to get there, man. He worked so hard to get there. Ugh. You know, I mean, it's, it's like nothing. I just turned 43, and he was the same age when he passed. And it's, like you said, he's worked so hard to get to where he was, and then he passes, and now it's like there's yeah. a hole left because it's like, who's going to fill those shoes? Who's going to want to fill those shoes? Yeah, I mean, yeah. I'm sure it wasn't. I'm sure, like, yeah, I mean, I'm sure, like, acting wasn't the first thing he was concerned about when he knew it was over, you know what I mean? Like, his family and friends and stuff were the priority, but, like, so I'm not trying to put it, make it, like, acting's the most important thing to him, but, like, yeah, just to know how, 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 what it takes and to get, get to that level, it's like, ugh, on top, on top of the, literally on top of the world and be dealt that hand is, that's tough. It's hard. Yeah. Oh uh, well, like like everybody, like everybody, we lose, yeah. whether it's uh, personal or you know because we idolize them for some reason. At the end of the day, it's harder on us, isn't it, than them? Yeah, it's true. You know, they they've gone on to something probably phenomenally more peaceful than the crap that we're dealing with. It's true. He's not dealing with twenty twenty anymore. COVID. You know, yeah. So it's us that's struggling the most. He got yeah. it exactly. Yeah. I know. Late Sunday night, um, they, they did a beautiful, like, memoriam episode of 2020 for him. Oh, that's cool. And yeah, we were like 10 minutes into it. I was getting ready to leave work, so I missed the last half. But like, we're 10 minutes into it and I'm already bawling like a baby. Like, I actually knew the guy. But his portrayal on screen was just so beautiful in the roles that he did. It was like I lost a family member. Yeah. Yeah. And I I had to deal with my 10-year-old son. He was broken up. He spent the last two Halloween's as Black Panther. Yeah. Black Panther was his favorite superhero. And that was entirely because of that. Yeah. Because the comic books are not nearly as popular as the movie. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's like, you know, it, and the worst part about it is, is like, literally, I found out the news. Five minutes later, I go on and I'm scrolling through Facebook and, you know, everybody's already got the memes posted, both good and bad. And I think the best meme that I saw was a little black boy. He was sitting on a floor and he had a black cancer doll laying down flat on the floor. And then he had all the Avengers standing around him holding up the Wakanda sign and the, like, the Wakanda forever in the background has he has all yeah. the dolls situated. It was so cute and, like, so touching and, like, heartfelt because, yeah. you know, you wouldn't think a, a child would do that. You know, children, might they, they might mean the most to these children, you know what I mean? But there's a lot to say for the people that play these, these heroes to try, you know, in, in dark times within society, you know what I mean? It's, uh, they're, they're, they're there more for the, they're like they're more for a reason, you know what I mean? For a guy looking up to and such, uh, at times like this, very, very, very upsetting. Yeah, yeah. I'm glad he's getting respect and he built a legacy. Like he, he had, he built it. Yeah, there's no way it can come down now. And he'll he'll live on forever. And uh, he, it's quite a legacy. I'm, you know, could have done could have done more, but. Just be happy you get what you get, I guess. You know what I mean? It's, 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 it's I'm just going to say it because I don't have to worry about an F-bomb jar. Uh, but oh. fuck cancer. Oh, for sure. For sure, fuck kids. are the worst. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So that's going to take us into tonight's episode, which we're going to talk about how different ethnicities affect on-screen roles and actors and, like, what our contribution is to film. There you go. That's a great subject. I like it. I, I, in the future, I, we, we're going to showcase, showcase people of the, of the, of the, like, highlighted, highlighted gems that really pave the way, pave the way. But tonight, we're, 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 we're going to start that, right, Mad Mel? Yeah, we're gonna either we're gonna do one of two things. We're gonna inform people, or we're gonna piss them off. Either well. way, it's what we have to say. <laughs> either either to inform people and piss them off, but you yeah. know what? That's what media is supposed to do. It's true. <laughs> yeah, none of us are here basically to uh, always make people happy. Yeah. I mean, we, the three of us, we love the horror genre. Of course. And our genre, our genre has pissed people off over the decades. They try to swallow us up. They try to end up. They, Something you know, for sharing. Is there, does someone have a dinosaur at their house? What's going on with this? I, I heard, I heard uh, like I think, a raptor in the background. I think the truck is just one. All right. Oh, uh, yeah, I, I think that uh, my house gets a lot of interference in it. Yeah. So sometimes, sometimes you'll, you'll hear me go out. You guys like miss exactly everything I said. I can hear everything clearly I can now. Hear, I can yeah. hear before. Yeah, we're good. Yeah, there was a few things, but we heard you for the most part. 
You got a lot of para- you got any paranormal stuff at the house? Uh, and I ain't got a lot of paranormal stuff everywhere I go. Yeah. That's a different show, though. <laughs> it is. It actually is. In more ways than 50. That's a different show. <laughs> Indeed. So, uh, but uh, going back to what Mad Mel was saying, tonight we're going to dive into uh, uh, the career of uh, Jordan Peele a little bit, our buddy over there. Right? Yeah. 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 Jordan Peele and, and other things, other movies and people that have influenced yeah. the culture. Because I know, like, horror is so much more than blood and guts. It's, right. You know, there, it's always been a, ahead of its time when it comes to um, social commentary. Yeah. You know, whether it's a statement about race, like in Romero's Land of the Living Dead or Jordan Peele's Get Out and Off. Mm-hmm. Um, homoerotic subtext, like in 1936's Dracula's Daughter or 1985's Nightmare on Elm Street 2, Freddy's Dead. You know, there's a great way that stuff can be presented and, you know, most people are, you know, so stupid that they don't really pay attention to it mm-hmm. because they're too worried about you know, everyone on getting killed, but like they don't realize the relevance to what's going on in the real world that's hidden in the subtext. Right. Right. Absolutely. Yeah, I was a great genre for that. For telling a story in the subtext that's not for the average viewer or reader even. Yeah. Most Stephen King things are about social, how people deal with each other in small places, up under each other. What happens when you're not a polite anymore? Like I love with how it's like with Jordan Peele. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not it's, that Velociraptor is coming together. I know it's going. <laughs> <laughs> Now, see, that one wasn't this. I don't know what happened there. It's the spirit. I was going to say that. Uh, what's that What's that line that dude says in Jurassic Park? You're a smart one, pretty? Or what is, what's he say to it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, something like that, yeah. 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 Like a dog. That's a small, you're a smart like a dog. Uh, But, yeah. like, horror movies, they've never shied away from tackling subjects that reflect, you know, the socio-political climate of the time. Right. Yeah, it makes them smarter. You know what I mean. It 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 ups the game on a horror movie when it has that that you know those ties those ties taking taking from society and stuff. And like you said before, Romero, uh, you know, perfect example of someone that always put social commentary in all of his uh, horror films. You know, you know Lloyd. Uh, we we're talking about James Balsamo. Was it the last episode? And you know Lloyd, a lot of social commentary. People don't give Lloyd Kaufman credit enough for the social commentary in his films. And, um, you know, or like the environmental stuff he's always pushing. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's there. So back then, um, yeah, it's funny though, because like, yeah, Wes Craven, he's another one. Well, Wes is the best. Rest in peace. You know? Yeah, like, Qatar is considered, like, a child, it's childlike, but it's a very visceral genre, so people focus on the monsters, the violence, and the terror, 
So when something's pushed so far into the foreground, yeah. and, you know, it's easy to flip things in, and boom, bye. You either pick up on it or you don't, or if you don't pick up on it the first time, it's when you rewatch it, you end up picking up on it. Yeah. Yeah. Get Out has is so layered with yeah. little things about society that you, you, you almost have to, it's almost like 10 movies in one. It's got so much going on mm-hmm. with explaining exactly how deep down the rabbit hole he's gone. Yeah. yeah. With his girlfriend's family. Yeah, I mean, Us too. Us is super layered, like super duper layered. We were watching it today with my girlfriend and she was saying she like thought it was a different movie because she, there's just so many elements that are so different from each other within the f- same film. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah, yeah, and then it, it gets even weirder when because we um, we watched Get Out, we watched both Get Out and Us. Yeah, um, and like they're so fantastic for each one, mm-hmm. but I think like Us was a little bit was a little on the more darker side. He did, yeah. yeah. The tension. I think there's a lot more tension there, a lot more psychological stuff. Um, you know, we've talked about before, but how that's kind of like a deep movie you really need to pay attention to kind of see where it's going with it. And I think it's a, it's more movie. I think it's a little more movie than Get Out is, and I love both movies, but I think it's a little more to it where Get Out, you can kind of just, you can kind of, you could almost casually watch Get Out, you know what I mean? But with us, yeah. with us you actually have to kind of sit down and plug into it, I feel. That's my feel. Yeah, because yeah. there's a lot of there's a lot of little things, whether it's in the background or you know things that the actors are doing while they're acting out, yeah. you know, in their roles that are major to the actual plot line. So, like you know, with them walking around with the scissors, and you know, people have questioned that, and you know, they'll they'll line up when they're on the pier at the the carnival or whatever. You know, like that little whole, things like that. Yeah. The whole feeling that it's just as much about the dual, duality of self as it is about propaganda. Yeah. You know, the, those characters, those characters are a reflection of, of their worst impulses. Yeah. And it's, it's yeah, it's layered as hell. And you're right, Get Out is a is a more casual watch, regardless of how layered it is. Yeah. It takes you almost on a more, while it's not traditional, it takes you on a more traditional story. I can't. It takes you, it, it takes you on a ride that, that there is something wrong, and it's evident, and it becomes more and more evident as you go along, it's what you expect from a horror film. Regardless of how different it is, it has the expectations of a horror film. Us doesn't. Yeah, it's definitely psychological horror. I, I wouldn't consider it to be straight horror, you know what I mean? But it's definitely like a psychological thriller horror, maybe in the same vein as A Silence of the Lambs. They consider that a horror movie and stuff. Uh, I kind of look at Jordan Peele a lot like I did M. Night Shyamalan, where like they had those, that... 
they like reinvented that genre, you know what I mean, and really owned it. They really got the ball and ran with it for a while in that genre. And I think that like that's what Jordan Peele's doing right now with this, the same way M. Night Shyamalan did it, you know, 10, 15 years ago. Yeah, and I, and, I, and I know I know both Saint and I. We've been watching um, the new show Lovecraft Country yeah. on HBO. I know you haven't seen I it have, yet, but I, he's yeah. doing a fantastic job with that as well. Yeah. Oh my god! Incredible, incredible TV. Yeah, I heard incredible of, TV. I heard a lot of good things. I haven't checked out that or Twilight. He did. He did the. He rebooted Twilight Zone as well, right? Yeah, I don't know if that's out yet though. Yeah. I, no, it is. It is. Cause it I, is. Yeah, they, the, I remember the pilot premiered. I actually watched the pilot. I wasn't super impressed with the pilot, if I remember correctly, but, like, I'm very hard to please. Look at me. I'm. Uh, that's the second time I said I'm not pleased with this film, this project. <laughs> um, but I love that. I think it's hard to impress the, the old school fans. Yeah, no, I agree. Yeah, yeah I'm with you on that. Everything's rebooted. You so, know. like, when you step, when some, when, yeah. yeah, so when someone approaches a reboot, it's like, you better make it good, like, better than the original, and why bother doing it? You know what I mean? Because you're just exploiting it at that point for, you know, when you, when you reboot a, a property and you do it really good, the high praise comes in, but if you do a really bad job, um, the negative comes with it, and it, you look at it, you're exploiting it. Like, you're only making this for money. You just think I'm going to come see your movie because I like the other one. Um, it, it's fun how there's like that, that there's certain people that can, that have been very successful with doing, you know, like, um, Fede Alvarez with the, you know, Evil Dead, that was a, a successful reboot. Um, there's been some unsuccessful reboots like, uh, Black, Kurt, the newest, I, the new, there's bigger bombs than that. There's like the newest Black Christmas was very unfavored, was a very unfavored film. I remember, um, but a lot of those, yeah. what's you guys' take on the whole Bloomhouse thing? Because I kind of, you know, Bloomhouse, I think, ha there was a time when they were pumping out a lot of good stuff, Get Out being one of them, and I believe they had their hand in us, but they might, he might have moved to a bigger studio even at that point. But, um, you know, in the Halloween reboot, uh, or re whatever you want to call it, the sequel, I thought that was really good. But for the most part, I don't really, you know... I think Bloomhouse is a little overrated. What do you guys think? I think, I think yeah. it's a, it, it, you're dealing with a death knoll as soon as you start getting involved with the bigger studios. You start, you start going formula. I want I got I, I got a question for you. Uh, which would you prefer if you had to choose one production house, indie Hollywood production house? Would you go uh, Bloomhouse or A twenty four? What would you guys pick? Ooh, that's that's hard. A twenty four. Yeah. I have the A twenty four. I have to admit, I've been loving A twenty four. A twenty four has been putting out some of the best like psychological horror movies in the last five years. They're usually like. They're getting to a point where, like, they're you're not going to be disappointed at least. You know what I mean? Like, you're going to be you'll find something within it that'll you'll enjoy. Um, what do you guys think of Ari Aster with like Midsommar and Hereditary? I love both of those movies. Yeah, both of them. 
both very good movies. Yeah. I, I like both that. very, very well done, visually stimulating. It, they're both great films. I, I, both I, raw. Yeah. I love raw. Raw was a great film, too. Great soundtrack, too. <clears throat> oh, yeah. Very important to have a great soundtrack. Yeah. Uh, you know, Jordan has great soundtracks, too. I was going to rewatch Us earlier tonight, and, you know, you have that put put five on it. That song was like, I remember when that movie, when Us came out, uh, we were listening to a lot of serious radio, and they played that song, like, every five minutes, it felt like. Like, when it was over, they'd play it again. And, I, and it was just like, I feel like he was listening to serious when he was writing it, and it was just like, all right, I'm going to put this in the movie, because... I got to. It's a sign. It's a sign from God. No, that, that, that one scene where they were playing Fuck the Police from NWA. Yeah, that was funny. <laughs> yeah. I, I didn't, um, I didn't realize this uh, until the second time around watching that, 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 the, the neighbors there that in the scene when they're killing, the killing like that, the, the, that white family that's killed. You know what I mean? There's the father. Yeah. The father is, um, he's a comedian. He's the dude from the Tim and Eric show. He's, he's like yeah. the thinner one. I didn't even pick up on that first time around. That's cool. another great thing about Hollywood film is the uses of actors yeah. and, and bringing actors in that you don't see in mainstream movies all that much anymore. Great yeah. talent getting wasted because they don't fit the criteria of the Hollywood machine. Yeah. Very, very important uh, of, of, you know, while we're dealing with ethnicity, ethnicity mm-hmm. every ethnic group suffers that at the hands of Hollywood. Right. You, be- you become obsolete, especially the women. Yeah, yeah, it's true. You know, once you, once you start to get a little older, you know, you, you start to not be seen as much, not being in the films as much. It's definitely yeah, yeah. yeah. And Hollywood horror definitely puts you out the path because they think it's all the same. Yeah, it's either like comedy. Yeah, which is either. It's true. The um. Yeah, there was a, um, there was some, I, I, I believe the father, I think the father in, in Get Out was a stand-up. I know he was, um, he did some, con- he was, he was in, Billy Cabin, Ma- he was in Cabin in the Woods. Was he in Billy Madison? He's in yeah, Billy he Madison, was in Billy Madison. I think he was like the, the father's attorney or something. Yeah, he was like something somewhat important in, in Billy Madison, I remember. Man, those Billy, I tell you, Billy Madison is so kitty. I I can't, I don't get into it. It's one of the when I, when I tell people I don't like Billy Madison, they get surprised. And like I like Adam Sandler, but I don't like when he does that. Like I'm four year old. I'm like four years old comedy. You know what I mean? Like that, the voices and like acting like a kid. Like I don't like when he acts like a kid. So Billy Madison was like too much for me. I liked Happy Gilmore. I love Happy Gilmore. I was gonna say that. Yeah, Happy I agree Gilmore. with you, Billy Madison. It was too, it was too much shit. Yeah, I think. and it was too much of you know the man child thing. Yeah, yeah. We, we had enough of that on Saturday Night Live. Yeah, that was uh, that like that. I had enough of a man child when I was married. Hey, Whoa. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, you know what? I'm, I'm going to make this quick. Yeah. Miss Melissa, my bestie, 
you know you you got me gutted out because you told me this was going to be video, right? You know, I didn't tell it. you it was going to be video. I asked you if you wanted to be on the show. <laughs> <laughs> I think got all dolled up in a tuxedo to be on stock oh, treatment. We got, we're going to bring uh, you up. We're doing video. We're going to video soon. We'll bring you back on. <laughs> okay. And for all you ladies listening, if you're not aware, um, he if you don't know who Anthony St. Thomas is, if you see any pictures of Monique Dupree, you might recognize him. They're partners in crime. So, you don't need to worry about her, though. No, because we, we, we are separated. I've had a lot of women say, you're so nice, but I'm afraid of her. <laughs> Hell, I'm afraid of her. <laughs> Now, see, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna tell on myself, but I never get comfortable with her. <laughs> Dangerous woman. <laughs> oh, if you and Monique were to get in the ring together, who's gonna win? You or her? <laughs> actually, actually, she's gonna win because she don't got no problem hurting me. Yeah, I, I always I always get a certain way about actually doing her damage. A lot of the stuff she knows today, she wants to me. Mm. I, I actually have stories about her in the ring, starting to forget that it's it's performance fighting. Okay. So you got to be a little bit cautious and still get bumped a certain way. And then all the years of being around me and teaching her things to protect yourself outside. So she's, she's actually scared some 260-pound men. They're not one of them. She can throw them around like a sack of potatoes. She, she's done it on the set of the movies, too. Oh, no, I know. <laughs> I've seen it. So, like, I, it's like, yeah. And, you know, you see this? Well, I can't say tiny and petite, but she's tall and, and she's slim and she just like will take a person and like throw them across the room and not think twice about it. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Like, so, she's yeah. the epitome of a badass. I, I, she is a badass and, you know, she likes to tell people that I'm the violent one, but, <laughs> you You're know, if you guys ever have her on the show... I would, I would ask that you remind her that she is the most violent between the two of us. That'd be publicly nothing. <laughs> There's been some debate. We have a test. We have a test to dis- to to figure out who the most violent is. You know what I mean? So we can we'll figure start it, we'll out. Start an audience poll. We do. We, 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 we do that. that. No, we do the old that old. Um, the old test with like uh, when the, the the kids wanted like there was like kid they wanted a cat or something like that they wanted some animal or something and like they both wanted it and the parent was like hey you know well what we'll do is we'll cut it in half and you can have half and the other one can have half and the kid that said yeah do that do that uh, was the, was the bad kid and the kid that said just take the whole thing I don't want you to kill the cat that's the that's the appropriate owner of the cat. You know what I mean? The Solomon cat. Yes. 
You just be careful you know, the, the kid don't kill the cat. You could have a big problem yeah. on your hands as it gets older. After taking that life for the first time, it could develop a thirst for blood. And uh, <laughs> next thing you know, it's not killing cats. It's just it's killing kids in its own skull. Going all the way to college, killing kids. Crazy. I can see it. Or it could go straight Michael Myers, you know. It could go. I was just going to say, this would be another reboot of Rob Zombie's version of Halloween with a kid going psycho in school. You know, him killing cats on the way and, you know, putting them in plastic bags in his locker. Hell yeah. I will say that um, I love that was the thing I loved the most about Rob Zombie's Halloween is that he made Michael Myers like a Columbine kid. Because it was the most realistic. It's like, who... Who in modern time would realistically turn into Michael Myers in like our generation? And it would definitely be a kid that was like called like a Columbine kid who was just like picked on and tormented until you know it had, his home life was terrible and there was just no escape for him. Like that is what would create a modern day Michael Myers for sure. Absolutely, it was definitely a more realistic view of him. Yeah. I- I really just didn't think it was necessary to redo Halloween. Right, no, I that agree. That story could have held up on its own. Yeah. I like uh, when... Ro- that's, yeah. No, that's just me and, and reboot stuff. There was a... Yeah, there was a famous story of Rob Zombie contacting John Carpenter to be like, hey, I'm going to make... I'm going to make remake Halloween. And John Carpenter was like, I guess you, you do what you got to do or something like that. And there was like, I remember there was like a weird riff. I think that somebody, I want to say Rob Zombie uh, spun it a little. I think he was spinning it for press or something. But it later, later uh, John Carpenter came out and said, I never said that. But he could just be covering his tracks. You never know. I... I love yeah. I love John Carpenter to death. I love him. One of my favorite living directors, and probably favorite director, one of my favorite directors of all time. And I've I've watched just about every interview with him, and he seems cool. But he does seem like he can be a little bit moody. So I could see him uh, maybe being a little uh, too sarcastic with Mister Zombie. You know what I mean? I think I think all those guys yeah. are moody. I mean. Yeah, you gotta you gotta be a certain kind of guy to uh, intentionally put out certain kind of movies. <laughs> we just keep feeding on them. Keep think? on feeding them stickers and tell them to keep it moving. Well, if you really think about with the John Carpenter thing, I could see a moody uh, because the respect level isn't there where it should be. Like, if you think about other filmmakers that came before him, your Hitchcocks and all that, and even in, like, the Palma era where the Palma was highly respected and stuff, it's like, you look at the films that John Carpenter made and the influence that those films have had on filmmakers, like, he should be... A lot of people should be talking... Even, like, mainstream... Mainstream cinema people should talk about him in a higher regard, but they don't. So I could almost, uh... See, see it. There was some weird quote where somebody was like, you know, in in Italy they call me an artist, in France I'm in a tour, in America I'm a bum. Like I forget who said that quote, but that was like the quote about it. And it kind of is true because like we don't really respect our artists. We respect the people that make the most money, but we don't respect our artists. You know what I mean? Well, our, our society 
is highly based on yeah. exploitation. But I mean, we we gotta face facts, mm-hmm. and you know, as a black guy, I could say, "Oh well, black people get exploited," but when when the rubber hits the road, everybody gets exploited. Right. True. I mean, you think about earliest horror films. It's not the intended message, but who's the who's the number one victim in horror films? Women. Until diversity started setting in, it was women and it was white women. Right. Every time you turned around, and, and you know, it was kind of like if you looked at it the wrong way, what were these filmmakers trying to tell us? They hate women. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, it was, well, it was it, misogynistic. I think it comes from the fact that a lot of those, are, they were making films when it wasn't the cool thing to do, so you had a lot of, like, nerds making it, and I think that girls weren't friendly or nice to them, and they kind of took it out in their films. I think that's, like, why you have more of that. Strong possibility. You know what I mean? A, a, lot, a lot of these films were made by suburbanites who didn't have black friends, who didn't have Asian friends. Right. So they they related the world as they saw it, you know. That's why you have an entire white cast, and the only black guy is the guy working at the counter at the gas station. As a horror... Did you have any, like, black heroes in horror films coming up that you really liked or really could relate with? Well, the first one was from a Romero film. Oh, with yeah. Kids, and I didn't live in debt. Hell, yeah. I, I related to Ben definitely. He, he wasn't the hero, technically, but he tried to do what was right the whole, the whole movie through. He wasn't taking anybody's crap. Yeah. And... Oddly enough, he survived the entire story and just killed by the police again. I know, that impisses me off every single time that's I watch the, it. Well, that's the social commentary of it, is no matter what your black, white, yellow, orange, when they when they shoot him at the end, you're like, why are they, this is fucked up, you know what I mean? You're failing it, you know what I mean? That's what's... Just, to, just to be taken out yeah. by authority. <laughs> you know... Yeah. So then, then of course there was uh, there's a couple other characters, but uh, I, I got to bring up mm-hmm. somebody whose franchise has been rebooted with a pill at the uh, at the crossroads of it. Oh. It's Tony. Hell wow. yeah! Oh my God, yes! I was actually going to segue into him because I also I was um, there's a new Shutter documentary. Um, called, I'm gonna probably say this wrong, Hara Noir, Noir? Noir. Yeah. Noir, Noir. yeah. Hara Noir. And it, it shines a much needed light on the history of African Americans and horror films. Um, it comes from Xavier Virgin, and it explores race representation in the future of the genre. That's cool. Yeah, so, you know, it reminds us how black people have always had a relationship with the genre, even if the genre hasn't always loved them. Yeah. That's, I'm glad you know, we, got uh, that, you know. we got enough top 10 horror movies. We can start branching into cool stuff like that to do shows on. Oh, definitely. You know? And, you know, 
I like how like the, they lay out that history, in, you know, which includes the first black horror film, which was Son of Ngaji in 1940. I like it. Um, all the black nice. horror movies in the 70s, and and here we go, Absolutely. 1993, Candyman. Yeah. Did you guys check out Abby. the? Good. Yeah, Candy Man. The reboot looks good too. Did you guys check out the um, uh, uh, they come, what is it? My name's Dolomite. Oh, I that? haven't yeah. seen that yet. It's on my queue. See, I'm a gigantic Dolomite fan. Um, but what I love so much about that movie is it was kind of it was it was a lot. It was really like it was a biopic about him making those movies, you know, and, and the struggles that he went through. Like he was. He, you know, Rudy Ray Moore made those movies because nobody was putting him in movies, you know. So he was just like, I make my own movies, which is uh, the spirit, the independent spirit in its very essence, you know. But yeah, Mel, definitely check it out. It's a great watch. The Return of Eddie Murphy. Hell yeah. And Eddie was, Eddie was great. I love Eddie Murphy, Eddie man. He had that. Yeah, like, you can't. You can't usually go wrong with Eddie Murphy. He had a little. He had a little. Like, he had a little issue that kind of, you know, slowed him down a little bit for, uh, you know, a little maybe ten years. But uh, he's back. He's back and better than ever, baby. He's doing stand up again too, right? I think. Uh, yeah, he's supposed to be dropping a stand up special. He's got a serious relationship with Netflix. Yeah. And one of the reasons why I love Netflix. So many people that you know had gone off to the side from us and rekindled their their film careers with uh with Netflix. There's one just recently superhero movie basically with uh Damien Fox Damien Fox in it. Yeah. Great piece great piece of work. Going with uh um, Yeah. I understand I, I understood I understood the, the the area he he haunted, you know, in New Orleans. Or, you know, very very much something I could see at the time in my world. Yeah. Not not that I was very happy about it, but yeah. <laughs> I could relate to it. Yeah. No, you've, you, you've had the opportunity to be on, on movie sets. You've been in a bunch of movies yourself. Um, when you've been on set, have you been treated differently than your your co-cast members because of the fact that you are black? Or does everybody get treated the same? Or, you know, just... Uh, a lot of times, uh, and I've seen this with Monique, I hope it don't bother her that I say it like this. I think a lot of times coming into the door, they, the filmmakers, don't really know what to expect. Which is odd because, especially with Monique, she's got a proven track record. So you call Monique because you've seen Monique. But with her, I think it's less that she's black the more that she's a black woman. So, they don't know what to expect of her. With me, I'm, I'm always kind of, people guarded with me until I'm in the room. Once I'm in the room, it's a different situation. Yeah. I don't know if, I don't know if I 
and make people comfortable. But uh, every film I've ever worked on, I've come on with people feeling like I'm just there to fill a void because this character is black or this is look that we want. So halfway into filming, no, we wouldn't have done this film the same way if Hank wasn't in the room. Yeah. Hmm. And I, I think that goes for a lot of a lot of black actors who work in films with white directors and white actors is that unless they have a proven track record and that it's running on their back, they tend to be guarded at first because they don't know what to expect. But it's an actor. Yeah. It's, they're, they're all pretty motivated by the same thing. Yeah. They they want to see the film done right. Mm-hmm. They want to be the best performance that they can. Now, I've been on some sets where I've seen people treat it like crap. It was it was less about their race and more about well, I can set it from I can see sets in the mindset. Yeah, like a yeah. union non-union type thing. There's definitely, uh, if you work on a film with, like, the union and non-union uh, actors, you definitely see, like, a difference in uh, the way they're treated and such, which is uh, Oh, yeah, interesting. yeah, definitely, you definitely see on um, independent films the versus a, a larger studio <laughs> film. Yeah. And actors get completely different treatment. I've, I've been on set where I was an extra and was treated amazingly. Yeah. But they had the budget to treat you that way. Right. Made a huge difference. A lot of these films, a lot of the independent films, while it's great to work on, can't, can't take care of their tasks the way a lot of the studios do. And sometimes, though, they put out a much better product. Mm. Because, because they're sure. Because they, they want the product to be good. They're not just turning it out. Yeah. But never, never very much because I was black. <laughs> I've had more problems being lit for a film. Yeah. A uh, film because, you know, I'm darker than everybody else on the, on the, in the film. Yeah. Yeah, I did a, I did a, I, I, I did background work on Here Comes the Boom, which is a you know one of those big Hollywood films, and like we were non-union, and uh, I, we, we walked by the the dining area where the union people were, and you look in, and it was literally it looked literally like they were having a wedding. That's how nice it looked. And then you got to where our where you got to where our food was, it was like uh, like rotten lettuce soup, where it was just like. Fucking let like let decaying lettuce in like water like I don't know what was going on and then they had like bowls of like apples around and it was just like uh, it was crazy to kind of see the yin and the yang because right there uh, and uh, that's why they want you to you want to eat that real food you got to pay those fees you got to pay those union fees yeah. kid yeah nobody want to deal with those unions you don't feed those union actors right. Well, they'll free you. Uh, the world uh, <laughs> you uh, they'll do. Yeah, they, 
<laughs> they want those. <laughs> they will diva out. I've heard of some. I've seen that thing. I've seen cast and crew versus extras and and background actors. It's basically two different lifestyles. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh yeah the the set the set's always an interesting place. You never it, it, the set's kind of like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're gonna get. You know what I mean? <laughs> Um, it could be, it could be a very positive experience and it could be a not so positive thing, you know? I, bet, I think to, well, I'd like I think, to be on the set of a Jordan, of a Jordan Peele production I just think that, to see something tells me him doing what he needs to do. Something tells me um, that'd be a good set to be on. Something tells me you're not getting rotten lettuce uh, soup on a Jordan Peele set. I feel like, uh... You see those with those big money sets. I feel like you know they they got their times where it's dead like a deadline. They got to get get shots done by a certain time, and it's maybe a little aggravating and and, and, and you know rushed. But uh, for the most part, I feel like on a smooth day, I feel like it's probably fucking great. You probably you're you're there. You're watching the, you're watching the people that are leading your industry do their thing. You're being a part of that, um, whether your crew or cast, and that's that's. See that's what I like about the set so much is that, like you're the, you're in the mix of the creating of it. You know what I mean? Well, and, and just for the simple fact that you know, like with me, I know him from the comedy sketch show Campio. Right. So to see you know him go from a frame of mind where he's being comedic to a more serious thing where you know people are getting murdered on the regular. Mm-hmm. Or killed on the regular. I want to see you know the transformation in his train of thought. You know, you can see when a person is going to go from funny to serious by like facial expressions and whatnot. So just to see how he would be on different, you know, different sets would be kind of interesting. Different mentality, you know. The closest is the flip of the coin. The closest thing. To horror is comedy. All, all it is is a nut. You think about the three stupid. You know, if Mo just acted just a little less ridiculous, everything he's doing to his boys is horrible. It's horrid. If you took the real thing that happens when you hit the guy next to you with an axe yeah. <laughs> or yeah. a hammer. As sure. opposed to the ridiculous outcome. Uh, it was Neil Simon who said that the difference between horror and comedy is two shades of gray. Or something like that. It was something like that. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's why, that's why Freddy Krueger is so damn funny. Shouldn't be. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he is. He's a wisecracker. Yeah, yeah. It, there's, there's a really thin line between horror and comedy, and I, I when I first saw him, a friend of mine introduced me to Ian Pell, and the first script I saw could have been scary, mm. if that's what they intended to do. It was uh, the guy, one, one of the guys. Every time 
he was interested in a girl, it was cool. Anytime he was interested in a girl, Till would undercut him. And it was to the point that he was crushing on the girl in the magazine and turned around and looked and Till was in the magazine with the girl yeah. <laughs> in the makeup ad. You know, just ridiculous, absurd, but you know, it was a stalker story. It was the guy who don't, who's not going to let you have anything. Yeah. So he has to be completely on you 24-7. Uh, he, he has to be in your head and in your life. It's a stalker story. Mm. It just was told in a very silly way. Yeah, that's a perfect example of that cable guy. Exactly. Cable guy is that's yeah, right up the alley of kind of uh, of Jordan's comedy. You know, that's what I like so much about him on the show is when he's that deadpan, serious, like taking the serious route and making it funny that way type yeah. deal. You know. Yeah. Um, you wanted? Does anybody know what his first acting credit was in a, a music video for White and Nerdy, the Weird Al music video? Fun fact. What was that his first credit? That's his first acting credit. Yeah, he played a gangster. And yeah, he played the gangster. I remember that. I, I didn't know he was on Mad was TV. Awesome. He he did some Mad TV too. He did ninety five episodes of Mad TV. I had no idea. Well, I didn't realize he was such an incredible writer. Yeah. Now I'm yeah. realizing he's writing a lot of uh, those sketches. Yeah. Where it never occurred to me to look at that. It was on the hills of Dave Chappelle, even. Truth. And I. I guess I always thought that maybe Dave Chappelle was throwing throwing scripts out secretly, but script. Yeah. Just wasn't performing in the But not the case. Yeah, I remember Dave Chappelle gave me to gave them a hard time once somewhere. It was like uh he's like, Oh, that's very <laughs> he's like, That's very original. You're doing a sketch show. I wonder where he came up with that idea. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's like, you're yeah, welcome, guys. That's, that's what they do, though. Yeah, no, I, I had yeah. One of my favorite things yeah. is, is British comedian going after uh, going after the guy for the office because it's a remake of his show. Yeah. Kroll show was a good time, too. You guys ever get into that? I thought that was funny on, on Comedy Central. Well, oh, yeah. I, I loved that. Yeah. He's good. He was funny. He was good in... Um, Sausage Party, too. I thought he did a good job with his voices. Nick Crow. Yeah, yeah. That, I, I, that movie messed me up. <laughs> <laughs> that movie had me crying. I was laughing so hard yeah. just because of the, how, you know, the idiocy of it. But, you know, that's, like, one of the greatest stoner flicks ever. Was that the last good yeah, Seth yeah. Rogen movie? Was that the last uh, well, decent ride, decent vehicle of Seth Rogen? I'm trying to think. Yeah, probably. No, I, don't, I haven't. I, I, then the interview. I a lot of stuff. I think the interview was after that, which had. Do you remember all the, the all that the the publicity with the the interview with with, with uh, the, the the Korean dude was going to blow us up over it. Oh yeah, remember that? yeah. I remember that. And uh, but yeah, that movie still, and that movie was horrible. Like you're getting yeah, mad at this. News. Why? 
Well, because they made a mockery of the dude. Because he was like, they looked, his people looked at him as if he was a living god, and they were making fun of him, and, you know, and ain't gonna fly. Yeah, it's, they got their panties in a bunch. Well, it's funny, can it, it's very, very similar to, um, when, um, Charlie Chaplin did, um, The Great Dictator, and Hitler, like, tried to get him killed, tried to get him killed over it. Yeah. It's, uh, <laughs> wild times. Uh, uh, I reader. Mm-hmm. You know, get over yourself. <laughs> you know, the, the concept of power is utterly ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> the people you so-called leader, if they can get their shit together long enough, yeah. <laughs> are more powerful than you. Because you can't stop them if they come running up on you 100,000 at a time. It's not going to happen. You just said the most imp- <laughs> the most important hidden detail of, of, of our whole world, that if... If everybody, if these if people knew they they gathered together, I you know I kind of feel I'm gonna go in a direction on this, and I kind of feel like the, the you know the the powers that be might like the fact that races don't get along sometimes because then they're not kind of if they can make the make them feel like they're the enemy, then they're not looking at the real enemy, which is these people in power that are trying to fucking destroy us all, man. Brainwash us all. Yeah. I think that I think that's Absolutely. what a, I think that's an agenda that gets pushed that people don't talk about is like that there's there's evil people feeding this feeding this thing you know what I mean? But, oh, they they need it to continue. They they need us they need us to to constantly have a problem with each other. Yeah, and if we're talking and clearing the air and letting each other know what we're going through. Then our mentalities change. Yeah. So they 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 throw everything they can at us. Yeah. To keep us in a state of division, just enough, just enough that we don't get along, but not so much that we can't function and keep the society going. Right. We we got to go out and work. Gonna make that money for them. The worker yeah, bees. Yeah. Worker bees. Yeah. It's unfortunate. But yeah, it's. I think that that's a big part of it. You know, I think they they really kind of push the to, to push each other away from each other. But maybe one of the saddest things in the entire world, right there, the being used against societies being used against themselves. It's dark. It's a dark world. But I think. Yeah, I mean, for the most part, I think not the, the like people that you know. I don't really, you know, racism's a thing for sure, but I don't think as many people is would said to believe, you know, like c- certain people would think that you walk down the street and half the people or whatever, all the people are hating your guts or whatever, but like I don't believe it's that way at all. I feel like we are we, you know, it's more of a class thing, you know, and a rich and poor thing, you know what I mean? I think like in, I think in too, most in, in most places. It is. Yeah, too, too. So racism is also, is also a system thing. Yeah. So you you will have racist people mm-hmm. as much as people who are comfortable yeah. with the way they don't like to go. Truth. And you can't, you can only be so mad at somebody who's comfortable with having a, you know, things fall to their advantage. Right. Some of it, some, you don't see. Why would you see it? It's been what it, what it was. It's always been that way. Yeah. You, you really you don't notice the tree 
that were growing in your yard every day yeah. for, for your entire life. Right. And then one day you look at it and you're like, damn, when did this grow? I remember planting it. it it's, it's a subtle thing in a lot of ways. Yeah. But it's, it's not just race. Sexism is the same way. Yeah. It's a subtle thing. We, and we get real comfortable not giving women the same rights. But we call it everything else. Right. You know, we, we claim it's frivolous. And yeah, it's nice to hold the door for a woman, but it's not because she can't open the door for her damn self. Yeah. You know, and a lot of people don't get the difference. Nice gesture or, oh, you can't do it. Oh, you shouldn't be doing that. That's not for a woman to do. Yeah. But it's subtle. Yeah. And that's how they keep control. That's, that's how they keep a fat each other. Yeah. Mad Mel, on the flip side of it, have you being a female in the horror genre, have you ever dealt with any like uh, weird, weird, you know, situations where you thought you were getting, you know, took an advantage of, or <laughs> not not given the I, respect I, that you I, deserve? I mean, it, being in the horror genre, I haven't had to deal with anything, you know, being a multiracial individual, um, but like in my personal life, I've dealt with you know, issues because of my, you know, color or, you know, either lack of, yeah. <laughs> because I get it from, I get it from both sides, you know, cause you know, I have, I, I've, I've had white friends who think I'm black. Yeah. I've had black friends who think I'm white because I'm not black. <laughs> you know, you know, it's like, I'm, I'm Hispanic, like, it's in there, you know, like, Ragu, it's in there, and (laughs) it's just, but, like, you know, you have, like, I grew up in a neighborhood where it was predominantly white, you know, people would give my family a hard time because my parents were in an interracial relationship, and, you know, at the time, it was still something that wasn't you know, a common incident. So when, you know, you're in a store and you have, you're with your white father and your Hispanic mother, you have people looking at you like there's um, something wrong, like what's going on? Why is he with her? Is that his maid and, you know, his love child or something, you know? His maid, what is this? His maid? My goodness. No, I'm just like, cause, you know, that's what everybody automatically assumes no, that know, people of ethnicity are like maids, butlers, the lawnmower guy, you know, that comes to, you know, the guy that comes and cuts your lawn, the landscaper. You're talking or, about, you know, you're talking about the, the, the horror movie, The Lawnmower Man? The Lawnmower Man. The Lawnmower Man. <laughs> the Merton side <laughs> but it's, it's people people are ridiculous like yeah. everybody takes everything to a new extreme that they don't need to take it like you don't like something fine if you're watching TV change the channel if you're on the internet on Facebook keep scrolling but don't ruin everything because of whatever your idea of right or wrong or you know, what color this person is or what color that person is. 
Everybody likes what they like. So stop ruining everything for everyone. Uh, Absolutely. We, we, we're starting to become societies that forget because there is social justice to be fought for. Mm -hmm. And some instances, we tend to forget that if you don't like something, you can turn it off. You don't have to, you don't have to try to cancel it out because it doesn't appeal to you. Yeah. Because it's, 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 appealing, it's appealing to someone else, most likely. Otherwise, the numbers speak for themselves. You know, I mean, I know a lot of great shows and things that went under merely because they didn't have numbers. I love them. Obviously, society said, well, we, we got no use for this. So they were, they were out of there. You don't want something to exist. Leave it alone. In, in the entertainment industry, anyway. Leave it alone. Yeah. You don't like gangster rap? Don't, don't listen to it. I, I remember when Snoop Dogg first got big. Mm-hmm. There was a church group who brought up all his albums and burned them on a big bonfire. Yep. Now, they, they took they took the album so people couldn't buy them and burned them on a big bonfire. But at the same time, you're making a double platinum artist go triple platinum. Exactly. <laughs> you have to buy those CDs. Yeah. If he's sitting around to do, really converting his CDs, that's, that's, a hundred thousand albums he didn't have to sell or have a fan for because the people who hate him bought it and burned it. Mm-hmm. So no or because the on. people, or because of all those people going out and buying the albums and burning them because of the fact that he didn't like them, you had more, even more people go out and buy the album just because, oh, these assholes went and burned this album. Let's go buy it and hear why they did it. Let's rock and roll, yeah. Exactly. Rock. Rock it, same thing happened with rock and roll and a lot of it. You know, bands, books, bands. The one of the things you do is just like Melissa said, that you uh you create demand for it because you've got counterculture. America is mostly counterculture. Mm. Most of us don't like the mainstream stuff. We don't, which is why mainstream always has to dip into our pool. It has to dip in the pool of the comic book nerd. It has to dip into the horror industry. Pilot industry was not part of the major industry. Yeah. It's true. Yeah, you, you not only bought a million of their albums and bourbon, but you also created a million more fans. And since on first album wasn't all that bad. Wasn't, wasn't threatening to society. I mean, I've heard a lot worse from, from rock and rap than what he was doing. It's ridiculous. Yeah. You forget that you can turn it off. You don't like it. Don't contribute to it. Yeah. Sure. And then eventually someone will do something you like. Of course, I like all that stuff. I like stuff that people burn. <laughs> <laughs> I'm with you. I'm with you. You guys familiar with Rusty Cundeef? I've heard of them. Don't know the work. Uh, director of uh, Tales from the Hood. 
one, two. Oh, one. I love that movie. I well, the first Tales from the Hood movie I liked anyway. The sequel sucked. He did a movie called Fear of a Black Hat that was really good too. Um, yeah, dude, that that was a laugh. Yeah. <laughs> They actually, they're doing a Tales from the Hood 3, which is like, that. You want that's the ultimate horrifying thing. I got shivers down my spine just thinking of a part 3. Um, part two, yeah, if, if, any, if, it's as, if it's as bad as part 2 was, yeah, no, they should have stopped. It reminds me of like it's going into the Creepshow 3 uh, world, which is uh, pretty horrifying in itself. It's right up there with Snoop, Snoop Dogg's Hood of Horrors, which was uh, actually not as bad as it sounds. No, Hood of Horrors was actually better than I expected it to be. I enjoyed that one, yeah. I gotta what was that one that yeah, Snoop Dogg did? Bones? Bones, yeah. I was just going to say, I got to throw Bones on again one of these days. I haven't watched I that. actually like it. <laughs> I mean, you can't go wrong with anything that has Pam Crer in it. He was like the Grim Reaper Absolutely. or something, right? Wasn't Snoop like well, the devil was, or something? It, it was kind of like a... It was kind of like in the vein of J.D.'s Revenge. I don't know if either one of you saw that, but we were talking earlier about the exploitation horror. Yeah, yeah. Of the, there's one called J.D.'s Revenge mm-hmm. where, you know, basically a gangster-type guy is killed by his crew, and he comes back from the dead and basically is getting even. Kind of the same flavor as Bones. Don't think it was as well done, though. Yeah. And again, you got Pam Greer. How bad can you be when you got Pam Greer? I know Pam Greer's great. Just trying to think of um, was that, a, a movie escaped me. I had a movie in my head too that uh, Blackula. No, I mean Blackula's good times too. Ah, oh, what was it? Eh, I forgot. That's gonna bother me now, but um, yeah, I'm drawing blanks now. Um, well, I had a side note that I wanted to bring up. 2019. Um, actually, wait a second. Wait a second. I'm 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 getting it. It was gonna bring, it was gonna bring it back. He's got his crystal ball out I in front of him to bring it back. back and it was bringing. It it was going to bring me back to something we were just talking about, too. It was related. Hmm. I don't know, but while I'm thinking of that, I'll say, you know, 2019 was kind of the year for um, horror in the sunlight. You have, you know, us had, had had some moments of horror in the sunlight. You know, of course, Midsommar, which was, you know, definitely the whole film was pretty much in the sun. And then you have a movie like Parasite that... Very more psychological horror. Um, they still kind of consider it a horror movie, and you know the 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 big climax of the film happens in the sunlight, which is you know horror themed. What do you guys think of the whole this whole horror in the sunlight thing going on right now? Love it. Yeah, love it. Me too. I, I'm. I got. I got really sick of us clinging to the myth. That if the sun comes up, we're safe all the time. Mm. <laughs> yeah. It's time to put an end to that. It's time to. It is time for to be reminded that the bad things and the scary things don't just happen in the dark. They happen in the light of day. Yeah, scary things just don't go bump in the night. It's true. 
Yeah, yeah. So I I love that, you know, and I I love the it's it kind of more return to the source material for these things in the book. Dracula mm-hmm. walked on the day. Oh, really? He's not. Yeah, he was not confined to a coffin. He wasn't as strong, but he was not confined to a coffin. Hmm. He can move in daylight. You know, Frankenstein roamed the countryside in broad daylight. He didn't just show up at night. The night thing became something comfortable for film. And I'm glad that it's not staying that way. Yeah. I'm glad that they're dealing with horror if when the bad things come, they're not afraid of, of the light. We need that. And, you know, we're, we get desensitized to, to horror to a certain extent. The, the brutality thing, the, the things that's the blood and gut stuff, we grow used to. Mm-hmm. You really want to scare somebody and continue to scare them. It has to be a psychological scare. And yes. If you take the daylight away at safety, it's automatically a psychological scare. Yeah, people aren't, you know, people aren't getting, people aren't getting as scared as they used to of, you know, head getting chopped up with a machete, you know what I mean? It still gave you that scare, but the more psychological stuff um, enters in. Like, Hereditary, what we talked about Hereditary earlier, I think Hereditary is like, a masterpiece. Like I was blown, floored by that fi- that film when I watched it, and there's so much creepy imagery in that movie. Um, you know, you both have seen it, right? You both familiar? Yeah, I've seen it. I uh, oh my god! I, I to say the scenes I like, I'm gonna you know spoiler alert. If you haven't seen it, turn it off now. Yeah. But like that scene where that scene where that where the sister the boy's coming home from the party and the sister's in the back seat tripping on the weed or whatever and yeah. she sticks her head out the window and, you know, bye you know. Yeah, like or coming, or yeah. when her when her little psycho self cuts the bird's head off outside the school. Yeah, I, I, the, the, you know, the moments when, when she was walking through the house and there was naked people randomly in there, like the sentinel kind of that, like that was very, I loved the whole cult aspect of it. Um, yeah, and when they're in the house and you see the people, like just naked, whited out people just chilling, um, that was really creepy. Uh, like that, the the way that it ends with like him being becoming like a new Jesus type character, like that, the imagery of that is like, Mind blowing, you know what I mean? It's just crazy, and I love how it just wrapped. Yeah, it, it wrapped itself all up, and it was just dark. I thought it was like perfect. I mean, the mood was perfect. It, yeah, great, great psychological and, and and visually visual horror. Yeah. Basically, that thing that makes you so uncomfortable. That my that favorite thing, thing to say: visually stunning. <laughs> <laughs> I have a question. Yeah. I have a question. What did you guys think of Dr. Sleep? Um, Mel, the, you want to go first or me? Pickup of the shine. Uh, well, me personally, I, I, I liked it a lot. I, um, I read the book 
because you know I love The Shining, gigantic Shining fan, uh, huge Kubrick fan, love The Shining, and when I heard they were making a sequel, I was really like put off by it and was like, oh, I don't know. I mean, you're really kind of it's a big, big shoes to fill. Um, and I read the book and I said, hey, you know, I don't really know if there's a really good movie in this book. And um, I started, I seen the first trailer for it and it was incorporating scenes from The Shining into the trailer, which I really liked. Um, yeah. It gave me the same feel. If I don't, I don't know if you guys seen Ready Player One, but there's a part where, yeah. where, where when, yeah. he, when he goes into The Shining, when they go into The Shining movie, like the feeling that I got in sitting in a big, in a, in a theater watching us go into The Shining. You know what I mean? was like a, such a great film. Yeah. And that's what I liked about the trailer. And I was I was planning on going to see Dr. Sleep and um, I was just going to let it ride out and get it on Blu-ray or DVD when it came out. And uh, the talk got so big for it that I was just like, I'm just going to go see it before like it gets killed with hype. And I was like blown away at how good it was. I was like, wow. Um, yeah, really good. I liked it. What about you, Mel? I, I I love Doctor Sleep. I I you know same thing. I was like, how good could this possibly be when you know it's been like what thirty something years since yeah. The Shining was released, and you know here we come with a sequel, and you know I was blown away. Like I like how they made you know Danny come back, and that you know he was like seeking out people that were like him. And, you know, that they were banding together, you know, for the, for the, you know, to take down the greater evil. I remember, um, it was like Train Spotting 3, where, uh, Ewan McGregor shows up and he talks to another dead baby. There's more dead babies in Ewan McGregor's life. Um, the part where, well, where he's with that girl in the beginning and they're partying and then, like, he leaves, he leaves her and then, like, he's haunted by her later because she died. And then the the baby yeah. the baby like starved to death. I was like, and it shows the dead baby. I was like, ah, that stuff always gets to me. Even in Train Spotting, where they have where, where the I always feel even it's a movie. I always still feel like in, incredibly sad for these like the baby that died in Train Spotting, the baby that died in Doctor Sleep. It was just dark. Um, the kids, you know, they go and they suck the energy out of the kids. That was you know, I thought that was really cool. Um, yeah, that that one scene that bothered me in that was like the scene with the little boy where they kidnapped him off the field. base, walking yeah, home from his, little, his dark, softball game or whatever. Was, yeah, it was dark. That was really dark. Horribly dark. Yeah. Again, great, great diversity in that story. Yeah. The next Danny is a little black girl. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I loved it. You know, uh, the family didn't uh, know what to think. I'm usually not that impressed with Hollywood horror, but that was an amazing film. And she'll be back. And and again, it's nice to see. It's nice to see um, a movie that has different ethnicities, and you know, like for once, the black person doesn't die first. They had my boy. Yeah. They had my boy from uh, True Lies in there, the Middle Eastern guy. He was in, yeah. he was in collateral damage. That that poor dude after nine eleven, they like they they hid that guy away. They were like, We're not showing you no more. And I always liked that guy. I felt bad, but I was good to see him turn back up. I haven't seen him in a long yeah. time. Same. I, I love that about Harper, man. You know 
it, it brings people out yeah. back into back in front of the screen who who hasn't been there for whatever the reason. Nine Eleven tried to kill that guy's career for crying out loud. Yeah, you yeah. Nine Eleven also. It, 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 yeah, it's that. It's sad that you know everybody takes a knock for somebody there. Their quote unquote peer group guys. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know who else was affected by nine eleven? Who's who, career system of a down? Uh, system of a down completely disappeared. I feel like after nine eleven. And just you know, poof. I know you know, now that you said it, you're right. Poof, because I think that the middle they had that Middle Eastern approach to them, and I think that people were so like turned off by that at that time that they were just like, "Bye bye, we're not going to see you for ten wow. years." I think that's what happened. And the the band eventually yeah. broke up. They broke up, and the dudes now doing solo stuff. Surge, but um, but the band like yeah, right after nine eleven, like disappeared gone i don't i i want to say that i don't know when toxicity came out but i want to say that it was uh very like right before 9 11 yeah I, I know it was like early 2000 ish yeah but um yeah yeah what a world. yeah you know we wouldn't have gotten fight club yeah uh yeah if that was made uh any later mm. we wouldn't have never got that yeah, it's kind of, I, I often talk about that with a lot of people, you know, it's like, people don't understand how, how much the world really changed after 9-11, like, it went into a really weird, it went into a fair era where everybody was, like, afraid that they were going to die because we were going to get bombed or whatever, like, it was a, a, a big fair era, and then it, like, flipped into, uh, well, like, a very politically correct era, which is what it's in now. And it's almost like, we want to be so politically correct that you, so you don't hurt us. Like, that's kind of our, our, our like, attitude for it now, which is weird, which is an interesting thing. Well, yeah. But the if you don't conform, you end up in Facebook jail, like I'm constantly in. They created Facebook jail for you. You're going to Facebook prison pretty soon. You, you're in jail so much. <laughs> I'm thinking, like, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm about to do a 10 year bid if I get, if I get put back in there again. You know, so you guys need to put some money on my books because I'm gonna need to be entertained somehow. I was doing Facebook hard time. I got you. I'm constantly pushing that envelope. No, you gotta get a Facebook logo. You gotta get a Facebook logo teardrop. You gotta get like a Facebook logo teardrop. For all the time you do in jail over them. Oh, God. My like face it. is going to be covered. You can get them all down your cheek. All the way down your neck. Neck, yeah. neck, neck tattoos are big. I cry enough there. for real. I don't need teardrops. I'm, you know, I'm not crybaby, you know, like Johnny Depp for truth. That's Aww. not going to happen. I haven't murdered anybody yet. So, you know, we're, you we're good on that front, you're too. Taking a shot at, you're taking a shot at Johnny Depp while he's down. you kicking a man while he's down, Mel? That's terrible. <laughs> He's having a hey, bad month. Why not? Johnny Depp's having a bad month. All right, come on, poor guy. Johnny Depp's having a bad. Johnny Depp's been having some bad years since he got divorced from Amber Heard. He dropped five million dollars on wine bottles and uh, keychain wallets this week alone, dude. He, he's he's hurting. He's hurting for Lou. Hurting for Lou. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. I, I'm sure. You know, anybody who's in bed with Disney. 
Mm-hmm. He's not really fucking all that bad. <laughs> he, has no, an island. He, he owns his own island, and keep in mind. I think he just doesn't want to sell stuff. I think he could live perfectly happy if he started selling things, but he just likes to spend money and not make it. I don't know. But they booted him. He has, I think it's more that he has so much of it, he doesn't want. he doesn't know what to do with it. So he's just making idiotic purchases. Well, I have an idea. Johnny Depp, if you're listening, you want to blow money, just hand it to me. I'll spend it for you. I have no problem with that. Money's more fun to spend when it's someone else's. Woo! I, and if it's Johnny it. Depp, that's bragging rights alone. I'll join I'll join Hollywood vampires with Johnny Depp. I'm gonna be the, <laughs> Johnny I'm Depp gonna be can be my player. sugar daddy all day, but I'm not going to give him any sugar. Uh, you, wouldn't, you wouldn't give Johnny Depp sugar. I think you no, would. He, I like. I he's. I to be honest, I always thought he was gay. So yeah. I, yeah. I have no attraction for him. Johnny Depp would probably run away crying from you. Yeah. <laughs> you, would, you would dominate that whole entire situation. Johnny Johnny would be on the phone to his friends talking about. You won't let me see. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, no. I don't need another stalker. <laughs> oh, no. no. You, you get stalked now? Yes, that's why I hired you, Saint, to be my protector. <laughs> that's, why you're, that's how you become my best friend. You're my protector. You look out for me. Sure. <laughs> I, I just thought. I just thought it's not fun. It is not fun. I've been, all three I, I of us have been stuck. is a horrifying. Yeah. I tell you, I had a. Uh, the Velociraptor's I back. I know. That was the Predator. Now we have the Predator with us. And we were. <laughs> <laughs> that was probably one of our stalkers. Stalkers are like the worst. I, I I I had a stalker once in my life, which is so weird because I'm I I'm not deserving of a stalker in any way. But there was a gentleman that fell in love with me, and uh, you know he came, he was on the film set and uh, he wanted a little more and he found out where I worked and I remember he like brought a birthday cake to my work once and for the first time oh, in my no. life yeah for my first time in my life I understood like what a lady feels like. When they when when they tell somebody they're not interested and like they're they're so pushy, like oh, it's nerve wracking. I, I feel for him, and I never understood how terrible it was until that moment. And I was like, wow, like I really feel bad for the things that for they having to go through this all the time. Like that's awful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because some guys they can get very they can get very sketchy when you say the word no to them. Yeah, uh, Alex Hawk. You know what I mean. I've never really understood the mentality, though. Of what? I mean, well, if you get a hard no, yeah, it's time to, even if you're carrying a torch, yeah. I mean, granted, you can't stop from feeling something if you feel something. Mm-hmm. But how, how much you really feel about a person, about that individual, if they're no and that you're, that you're bothering them, doesn't make you step away. That's no longer about you. Stalkers never stalk you for you. Yeah. It's all about them. That's, mm-hmm. that's, that's all they care about. 
Well, you can't say no to me because I want you. No, no. <laughs> That's not how that works. And like, nah, bro, I don't want you. That's why when I see you on one side of the street, I cross. That's that's what the that's what the whole uh, piece of paper that we went to court for yeah. <laughs> about. You know, you're one hundred, you're five hundred feet away from me is because I don't want you around. But like yeah, seriously, that's that's why I do have a no contact order. I like don't come anywhere near me. Don't come near my family. Don't come near my friends. Don't come near anybody that even can say my name. <laughs> Stay as far away as possible. <laughs> mm. <laughs> it's, it's nuts. It's, it's nuts for people to be that way. You know, if you really like somebody and they don't feel you at all, that enough liking them means that you want what's best for them. True. If you're not contributing to that, you need to stay away. This is another reason why horror films are so popular. So many of them are about something that you can't get rid of. Stalkers. Well, the stalker, yeah, I mean, stalking is a gigantic part of horror. Every slasher movie is pretty much a stalker, you know what I mean? To the extreme. Yeah. I think that's, uh... (laughs) Even funny, the stalker. (laughs) (laughs) Pretty much. (laughs) The stalker. I wonder who the first stalker was. Wow. <laughs> it's like uh, maybe an Adam and Eve Eve had a, bo- a previous boyfriend who was a stalker, maybe. Well, well, actually, according to some of the stories, Adam had a previous girlfriend, Lilith. Lilith, Lilith is the first stalker. <laughs> I, believe, I would believe that, yeah. <laughs> Following Eve around, boy. How dare you date Adam? <laughs> it's a small world. I, <laughs> but I'm so bad for Sweetie Todd. I don't think Sweetie Todd is a stalker. No? Got a bad rap? He got a bad rap. He, he got a... You know, the stalker was the, the guy who uh, had it look like he was killed. Mm. And marry his wife. That's a that's a stalker move. Mm. Get rid of get rid of the competition. Make sure that she's uh, desperate for fun. Has to marry in the society that women can't uh, can't come for themselves. But she has to marry a man. Mm-hmm. I'm the best, I'm the best choice. I'm the eligible bachelor because I'm rich. That was a stalker move. That was a huge stalker move. Yeah. Sweetie's eyes, he just got revenge, but he shouldn't have gone about it the way he did. <laughs> so many people in the meat pies is probably not the answer. Yeah. Yeah. The world of stalking. Wow, we're already closing in on the two hour mark. I know. <laughs> stalking stuffers. I, I have to pay you guys a compliment. I think this is the funnest radio show I've ever done. Oh, well, thank you very much. Well, we appreciate that. We had a blast. We had a blast. We'll, we'll have you back on again sometime soon. Hey, say, say before yeah. be, before we end this show, just let everybody know how they can either follow you or, you know, keep tabs on what you're doing in this world. Yeah. 
Well, I am all over uh, social media. You can catch me at uh, Anthony St. Thomas on TikTok. You can catch me as Latter Day Saint on Instagram and on Facebook. I have several books in the world, several movies. Um, it's easy to find it. You're a popular man. Oh, yeah. Um, I don't know about popular. <laughs> I think, I think I, we're going to need to have a dating show episode of shock treatment and get everybody that's single in the horror genre together and play, like, the dating game. I support horror that. Edition. Oh, if we can host it, I support <laughs> oh, the hell out of that. That's scary. <laughs> Imagine how much fun that could be. It could be fun. Yeah, we got to put some real crazies in there, though, to keep things interesting. Well, if you put me in there, there's one. You hopping in? You hopping in? <laughs> I'll, I'll have to host well, by myself if you're hopping in. I, I could be on the dating show. I don't. Uh, I don't. I don't know though. Dating in the horror industry, a little secret. Having worked in it and been a photographer, that photographer, there's a few very wonderful and beautiful actresses that I know personally that are single who, if they came towards me in any other way, but hey, this is my buddy, I would be very, very nervous. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, you know, and it's nothing against them. They are beautiful. I mean, they are. Some of these women are stunning. Yeah. But nope. I'm scared. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess that's all for this episode of Shock Treatment. Well, this is a thank, thank you for your time this evening, and we had a blast with you. We sure did. Thank you, oh, man. Thank well, you so much for inviting me. It was a blast. I loved every second of it. We all got to get together when when COVID's gone. Yeah, you're you're a local guy, or are you uh, out of state? Well, I I live in Baltimore, but uh, I business has always made me travel all across the country. So that's what I do. The home and of John Waters over there. He's a traveling man. I've been yeah, everywhere, I man. And I, I'm, I grew up in Jersey. Yeah. So, you know, you like I, I'm, I'm used to these places. I, I, I've hung out even in Rhode Island. Oh. Right now. Oh, you're gonna have to come and visit me next time you're in Rhode Island. The island of oh. Rhode. Um, Baltimore, the home of John Waters, New Jersey, the home of. Uh, Viro the virus. I'm going deep cut for anybody over there in the old. Hey, I grew up in the same town as as Joe Pesci. Oh, there's a name drop. I grew up around the corner, literally around the corner from Redneck. Oh, that's awesome. I like it. Um, Joe Pesci. Reti- going back into retirement. Did, what'd you think of, going back to Netflix real quick, what'd you think of The Irishman? You one of the people that didn't like it, or did you like it? 
I loved it. I, I thought it, I thought it was a great piece. I, I think a lot of people need things to happen constantly, and they're not thinking about the genre yeah. that they're watching. Yeah, I, I think we're dealing with a lot of short attention span theater. I've heard the complaints about Quentin Tarantino mm -hmm. when he doesn't do something where there's something happening every five minutes. Right. Sometimes the story moves on the details as opposed to flash. Agreed. Yeah, flash is But I, I love... Yeah, yeah, I, I, I liked it a lot. Yeah, I was disappointed to hear people say they didn't like it. I mean, they're just the complaint of it being too long was real lame. I mean, it was a great bookend to Scorsese's mafia movies. I thought it was yeah. really nicely done. Yeah, yeah and, and it was a Scorsese film through and through. It was exactly what it was supposed to be. And these are the kind of stories you tell. And this is the fashion in which he tells them it's always been this way. Yeah. Yeah, it's a mature... And, and mm -hmm. it's layered, it's filtered, it's a great, it was great storytelling. Yeah. People wanted, people, I don't know what people wanted. <laughs> Yeah, it's weird. I mean, it's a mature mafia piece. That's how I look at it. You know what I mean? It's him as an aged, matured filmmaker making a mafia movie. I remember people were complaining. Uh, I'll pick one scene out of it that's not the, the the not the aging process, which was people hated. But somebody was giving trying to give the movie a hard time over the fact of um, when he's smoking this when the wife's smoking the cigarette in the beginning. And they were like, they were kind of just looking at it for face value right on the surface of what it was. And it was like, no, he's trying to tell you, he's trying to tell you, a st like, tell you something with this visual. You know, you, you've seen Pesci play, you know, Nicky and Casino, uh, and, and in Goodfellas, he's just this, a, a bull dude who destroys everything in his path and doesn't take shit. And now we're, now Pesci's playing a different type of gangster where, like you, you were you were waiting for him to turn around and smack the wife and say, "I told you not to fucking smoke that cigarette," because that's what all those other mafia figures he played would have done. But this was a different yeah. figure that he played, so he's not gonna be a dickhead to her. You know, he's gonna he's more calm, he's more collected. But she was also a made woman as well, and I think even equally, if not more powerful than him in the mafia family. So that all that's also a reason why he wasn't turning around smacking her. So. But, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He, yeah. he wasn't going to have to answer for anybody behind that. But Absolutely. It was, but that, I remember that scene was very nicely done, and I remember somebody complaining about, like, the way that that unfolded, and it was like, no, like, it had to unfold that way to show you that you're not getting into those films. You're getting into a newer, mature mafia film. And that's what people... I don't know what they were expecting, because I think that this... Irishman had a little bit of everything from the previous films that people like. Um... But, like, they were just being hard on it. I mean, Scorsese returning to do a, a, a mob flick with De Niro, with Al Pacino. I mean, just the fact that it's him and De Niro alone doing a mob flick, there's so much anticipation for that and expectation that very, the fact that people, the fact that it came out and people weren't, cra like, completely shitting all over it is a testament to the film because it had so much 
leaned against it. The same thing with all the Tarantino movies. Like, you brought up Tarantino earlier. Like, Tarantino gets so much hate, but he's, like, one of the best filmmakers out. Like, if you go... Out there. If he puts out a movie, you can bet you're going to be at least entertained. You're not going to walk out of that theater being like, oh, that, that was a fucking waste of my time. You're going to at least be entertained, yep. by, which you can't say that for a lot of filmmakers and movies being pumped out nowadays. It's interesting how they give... Yeah. They like to give him hard times, dude. I feel bad for Quentin because, like, he's he's super talented. You know, he he worked his way up. And one thing that I always give him praise for that people don't mention and, or don't remember or whatever is, like, that dude came from a single-parent home that was poor, and he worked his way all the way to fucking the top of Hollywood out of talent. It goes right back to Chadwick, like, earlier. Like, he worked his way to the top of what he wanted to do. You gotta respect no, that. He earned his strike. You gotta respect that. You you have to have respect for somebody that says, "I'm going to the top," and and they say, "And watch me," and they do it. Like you have to respect that. And, and and they're both and they both did it. You know what I mean? It's uh, so. And as a writer, as a writer, I, I love I love the stuff he does. Yeah, he, he does oh, work. Yeah, great. Which, which does, doesn't lend itself to a single a single genre. Mm -hmm. You know, if you have a Quentin Tarantino storyline and a monster shows up and it's halfway through, yeah. it's not you to be shocked because it's Quentin Tarantino. You don't know what the hell is going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> he's, a, he's, he's a great filmmaker. He's a great writer. He's a better writer. I, I agree. Incredible. But, the only thing they give him Academy Awards for is writing. Yeah. Uh, I mean, like, you know, Natural Born Killer. Great, one love of his it. Clips. Oh, I love that movie. True Roach. Classic. One of his scripts. Uh, from Dust Till Dawn. From Dust Till Dawn, yeah. That's a favorite. One of his scripts. Classic. Yeah. Great, great, great movie. Great storyline. And he was a pretty decent actor in it, too. He is pretty good, yeah. I know he gave up the acting because it was just... I could understand being Quentin Tarantino and trying to be an actor. It's weird. You know, you're on you're on, a, you're on a set with a director that wants to be you, giving you direction as an actor, you know what I mean? It's kind of a weird element to uh, put it in there. He, he, works, he only works with his buddy stuff. Yeah. Uh, you're him and Robert Rodriguez. Those yeah. guys are like... Yeah, Planet Terra. Yeah, they're, they're like drinking buddies, so them being on a set together in the aspect, they're, they're just goofing off. They're, they're getting the best product and never having a problem. They're like you and Mel. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, I'm going to be. I'll like, take that compliment. <laughs> well, I'm going to be like, I'm going to be like Robin, Robin, I'm going to start wearing an acoustic guitar around me everywhere I go playing it while I do everything else. <laughs> so I can be just like Robert, yeah. Um. Oh, that would be hilarious. Yeah, both of those dudes, uh, th th that's like, they're like the kings of the last, you know, the last, like the whole independent craze. Like the 90s was that real big pop off of independent filmmakers. And I'll finish with this because we, we, we've had you on forever. The, um, but like, yeah, they were, they were that, I don't think we'll ever see it's It's in, you know, you don't get, very randomly do you get new new people pop up that you can kind of, get into and follow the way you would those filmmakers where you, you know, you followed their careers and 
I think the way the studios are set up now, uh, so so filmmakers don't get power is that they, they 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 don't they I don't think they want big directors that like a Tarantino where yeah you know they do all these movies and stuff with the fan base but he can demand more power he can get more say he can get final cut. I don't think they want those filmmakers anymore. I think they want to just kind of have random cookie-cutter filmmakers come in, make the film, do one, and then they're not coming back for the sequel because they don't want them invested. You know what I mean? Like, they don't want them to get... Like, like take James Gunn, for instance. Like, James Gunn killing it with those superhero movies. You know what I mean? So, like, if if Marvel, Marvel hit you know, reach out to him and they, you know, I'm sure he got whatever he wanted to do suicide squad. You know what I mean? Like you, 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 you say it, you have it no matter what it is. Like, and that's kind of, you know, they don't want directors that they have to say that too. And I think that that, that that's why they're kind of breaking up the independent thing where, you know, you got to, you know, money, money moves everything. You know what I mean? So you got to have that money, even to stay in the independent thing, you got to have, you know, that thing. But I think, you know, the days of, like, saying, hey, you know, oh, the new John Carpenter movie's coming out, or the new Quentin Tarantino movie's come out, you'll have the new Quentin Tarantino, but you're not going to have the new Joe, I don't think there'll be, you know, the big Joe Blow movie. Oh, there's a new, like, a new Hollywood director. Huh? I think the last might be Pill. Yeah. Because Pill kind of slipped under the wire. Yeah. You know, with the get out, he can kind of demand whatever he wants. Yeah, Pale is that guy. Yeah, he he is the last person that I could. You know, there's certain people within Hollywood. There's certain people within the Hollywood system that that pop up, like the guy that did Halloween, uh, David Gordon Green. You know what I mean? That they're, they're like Ariasta. You know what I mean? Jordan Pale, like you just said. Um, they're people that are kind of proving their weight in the in the industry, and like they're getting they're getting that position of power whether the studios want them to have it or not you know what I mean well. yeah and and, and they're, they're, they've got their scripts spread out amongst other filmmakers yeah. like Black Clansman is a is a appeal mm-hmm. script like we did it yeah and there's you know so it's he's spread out throughout the industry as a writer as well which gives them a lot more leeway with other directors so Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, think, and I had a lot of leeway with other directors and actors. They've worked with the word before, changing the game for them. So, yeah, they, they don't want those guys. And when one does come out, they really, they, they're really waiting for him to make a misstep so they can take the power away from him. Yeah. It's true. Well, Mad Mel, would you like to say anything else in closing? Mm, I just hope everybody continues staying safe, keep listening, and, you know, don't believe everything that the media puts out there. No, absolutely don't. Don't believe everything, but definitely be safe, right? That's true. Be safe and that's all you can do. And once COVID's over, we're definitely going to have to take a road trip to Maryland, or you're going to have to come up here, or, I, or something. I, I want to go to Maryland. I actually want to go to Maryland. I met some artists out that way last year that I want to try and come in and do like a screening or something. 
So maybe we'll all trek out, trek out to the uh, heroines, the city of uh, heroin, right? Aren't they big with heroin? <laughs> <laughs> isn't that their national? Isn't that their national pastime over there? <laughs> <laughs> Usually people say crab cakes, but go here. Maybe the heroin. <laughs> Makes me, it helps me sleep, guys. I can't help it. I can help you get crab cakes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not connected to the rest of that world. <laughs> All right. And but yeah, you guys come to that one. I would love that. Yeah, that'd be cool. I support you guys. Oh, yeah, definitely. As soon as uh, we can uh, start traveling and it be safe to do so, I'm out. You guys have any horror conventions over there? Uh, well, there is Monster Madness. Oh, yeah, that's a big one. In Woodlawn. Okay. Huge horror convention. Uh... We have a few comic book conventions too. There are things happening. There's actually a, a small film community there too, but you know how that yeah. super genre level is. Probably don't sell too many copies outside of the state, mm. but it exists there too. And yeah, we, we get horror and comedy, um, and um, comic book comedy. No one does comedy conventions. It's not yeah, yeah, that'd be cool. I'm definitely down for trekking out there. Hell yeah! I want to branch off of uh, the New England. I want to branch out of the New England area. We going? Oh, well, you know, you guys, you guys should be welcome with open arms, pretty much. Well, don't threaten me with a good time, Bestie. Like, yeah, we're trekking. That's all stuff we're threatening with is a good time. <laughs> yeah. I threaten a good time. I'll get you in more yeah. trouble than you'll get me into. Uh, you know what? That that is profoundly true. Yeah. But profoundly <laughs> true. I you know. See, I'm separated. I'm single now, so I don't have to. I don't have to tell no one. Mel made me do it. See, nobody's gonna question why I'm in trouble. Right, it's all Melissa's fault. It, it, it always gets blamed on me anyway, so I'll just take the blame instantly. Yeah, I'm with that. No, I'm with no, that. I wouldn't. Matt wouldn't blame you either. Would you? Matt? Oh no, no, no. <laughs> you're gonna have to give the tour right that. Yeah. We're gonna have to pin the paper that we won't blame it on her. I've been good. I'm calming down in my old age. Right, that's what happens. Except for your first uh, trial. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Go back to jail. <laughs> Yeah, that's about as much trouble as I get into is going to Facebook jail. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, mean, I can understand you not wanting to be really free from the Facebook jail. At this point, you're like the queen bee. You walk into cell block 30, Instagram, and they're like, no! 
<laughs> everybody, it's like cheers. Everybody knows my name. Newbies <laughs> <laughs> getting pushed off the say uh, off the chairs. Don't sit there. I smell spot. You can't sit with Mel. I haven't earned the right yet. Yeah. I know you did find yourself. Well, this has definitely been a fun show. Hell yeah. <laughs> this has been <laughs> shock treatment with Mel and Maji with guest Anthony St. Thomas. We'll have him back again soon. So, children of the night, rest easy in your coffins and sleep the slumber of the dead. <laughs> Alright, bye. <laughs> I fucking love it. You can change it up. I mean-